You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Our guest today is Wes Lucas. Wes Lucas is a success coach to entrepreneurs, a trainer, and a speaker. He's also a hypnotherapist and an NLP practitioner. This conversation tonight is mainly going to be about the Enneagram, which is fascinating. Now, if you're like me and thought that the Enneagram was some sort of new age invention, you would be incorrect. It turns out it's ancient, and you might find this conversation fascinating, just like I did. Good evening, Satch. Good evening, Carlos. Good evening, Wes. Good evening, Carlos. Hey, hey, Wes. All hey, right. Sad. Welcome. We have our buddy here. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I thought before we began, why don't we begin with a cheers, a little toast. How about nice. that? Nice. Let's do it. Let's do so it. We got our uh, glass of rum. Some fancy Thanks rum. Thanks to Satch. Fancy schmancy rum. Cheers. Eyes, eyes, eyes. <laughs> cheers. Listening. To All our right. health. All right. As we drink something poisonous. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sweet poison. Yeah. Smooth. So smooth. Proves how strong we are. Yeah. <laughs> right. How smooth we are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. smooth, we we yeah. pack a punch. Toughens up my yeah. liver every time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a stress test. It is. It Indeed. is. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, I asked uh, Wes to um, to be a part of our podcast uh, today, uh, namely because I've been following Wes's um, uh, creations over the last few years. He's been he's been busy. Uh, making courses and writing things and engaging. And I actually took uh, one or two of those classes myself. And so I was just thinking that it would be really awesome to get him here and talk about what he does and um, his area of expertise or areas of expertise. Uh, and thank you for being so kind as to show up and, and actually be here, not ghosting us, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> tonight. Yeah. I was very yeah. much tempted to say yes and then not talk to you ever again. We would have had to just <laughs> pretend, and then we would have in post like put some kind of like a cartoon character in there, yeah, in that yeah, position. Yeah. But yeah. you yeah. can always it, fix it in post. We now have the real deal. Yeah, it us. would have been our first interview with the Invisible Man. <clears throat> yeah, it would. Could ask but, all the same questions, you know, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. really, you know, I'm not sure that the answers would be anywhere near as good as they're going to be tonight. I though. know, I know. So. Uh, and, and I'm going into this like uh, Carlos has kind of explained a little bit to me about what it is that you do. Um, but I really feel like I am coming into this with basically no prior knowledge. So I, I get to be um, the clueless guy who just asks honest questions as we go along. Virgin. Try to find out. Cool. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel the same way about this. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so how I'm do we only, start talking about this? I'm like, the only non-virgin <laughs> in this room. Is that what it's that's, that's pretty yeah. much. Okay, you're the only much. one who knows what's going yeah, on. Gotcha. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> liquor's involved. So, oh, so that won't last very long then, will yeah. it? Um, so, Wes, um, we've known each other for what? Like maybe six years, something like that? Oh, longer than that. Probably like eight. Okay, yeah. So it's been a while. Um, a lot has happened in both of our lives since then. But we met, or we actually met uh, through... Uh, some of the personal growth uh, training and seminars and things like that. Uh, and we kind of hit it off. I think some of our earliest conversations were t- conversations about magic and mentalism, right? Magic, and yeah. And hypnosis and stuff I like that. I specifically remember you showing me a magic trick at one of our breaks in the middle of the class. Yeah. It was yeah. cool. So, um, you know, through the years, you you know, as you 
branched off and, and created your own thing. Um, one of the things that I noticed, um, and before we get into the, the, the main, to- main event, main topic of the night, there was something that you specialize in that has to do with intelligences and natures. I was wondering if we could touch upon some of those things before we get into the, the meat. Yeah, sure. Um, what Carlos is talking about is a system called multiple natures. And um, there's a theory that came out, well, okay, so there's the, um, the intelligence test, the IQ test, which came out like 100 years ago. Mm. And it's been the main thing that if you have a high IQ score, then you will be successful in life and all your dreams will come true. And if you have a low IQ score, then just give up on life, you're done. And so it's this one measurement of how, how you'll do in life. Mm-hmm. And in the 80s, uh, Howard Gardner came out with his book, um, that describes multiple intelligences, that there's lots of different ways that we can be smart. And uh, when we can recognize where our area of intelligence is, uh, then we can leverage that to, um, to be successful, as, as the IQ test promised mm-hmm. us that we could be. Um, and we don't have to try to be smart in the ways that are just not our area of intelligence. So schools will measure intelligence in, as far as like linguistics, how well you're using language, and maybe like logical, how well you're doing like problem solving and mathematical. Uh, and so you got two areas of intelligence measured there. But if you have a high like interpersonal intelligence of how to deal with other people and understand that, uh, high physical intelligence of how to use your body, um, uh, any of the other intelligences, it's not going to be recognized in the school. So then you'll end up feeling like you can't be successful in life because you're not getting the, the grades there that are being measured. Mm. So um, when you recognize your, your areas of intelligence, then... Um, that helps you to define your direction and where to put your energy so that you get the biggest bang for your buck. Hmm. Now, with, with your intelligence, um, there are lots of ways that we can use our intelligence. So um, that's where multiple natures comes in. And um, multiple natures was developed by a man named Stephen Rudolph, who was using multiple intelligences to teach kids and uh, help them to decide their careers and how to be successful in school. And he found that the intelligences by themselves weren't really helping them to get in the right direction. Because if you have a high like linguistic intelligence, then there's lots of different ways that you can use that to be successful. You can be like a stand-up comedian, or you could be a, a proofreader, or, um, or write legal doc- documents. Uh, there's lots of different ways to use your linguistic intelligence. And so the nature comes in of how we, um, how we engage that intelligence onto the world in a way that's fulfilling to us. So um, there's an assessment that, that we do and uh, some trainings and, and things around that that help us to recognize where ele- uh, area of intelligence is. That's where we'll get, um, like, have the most leverage, be able to get the most done. Mm. Uh, and then how to use our, our nature with that where we can use our intelligence in a way that's fulfilling to us. So is this something that you can also use, I'm assuming, for um, career counseling and that kind of thing too? Yeah. Yeah, we use it with uh, career counseling. We help with people when, when um, we've, we've got courses spe- specifically for teens um, to decide what major to get into or what careers would be most in line with what they're already, where their energy is already at, where their intelligence and nature is already at, mm-hmm. uh, and as well as adults when they find that um, you know we're we're not getting that fulfillment in our life, we're we're doing a job, we're making money, but it's not really doing it for us, and mm-hmm. and we tend to feel like depressed, or we tend to feel like we we're not in the right place, and uh, so the multiple natures can help us to figure out where can you put your energy, and maybe that means stay with your career because it's doing well with you, but pick up some extra hobbies mm-hmm. that'll feed you in the ways you need to be fed. Hmm. 
Because the thing about the intelligences and, and the natures are they're like tigers. So when you have a high intelligence or high nature in a certain area and it's not being fed through your activities, it's like you have a big tiger and it's hungry. And if you're not feeding your hungry tiger, then it's going to eat you. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, um, so it started off with um, these multiple intelligences. And, and like, what kind of number are we talking about? Like about, about how many categories? Uh, are There's we, about 10. Uh, about, okay. Okay. Kind of gives me an idea. Mm-hmm. And so then the multiple natures is taking that farther. And so is it kind of, kind of similar in, in that there's just, is it group? Yeah. So there's about um, nine natures. Nine natures. So, um, so like I use the example of the, the linguistic intelligence of how we use words and language. Yeah. And um, so we may use that with a um, with an entertaining nature that would be more like the stand up comedian mm-hmm. or uh, we could use that in more of a protective nature, which is more like making sure that the words are how they should be like a grammar Nazi, Nazi mm-hmm. or a proofreader kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some examples of how it can look differently based okay. on the nature. OK, wow. No, this is something this is. A- a service that you do for people? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I do some uh, workshops and classes on it. Uh, and then there's also an assessment. So if you want to get, like, take the test and figure out exactly where you lay with each of those, um, then uh, we can also look at our catalog of, of careers and hobbies that match up with your profile wow. so that uh, you can just pick from the list of what things match you best. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious, um, is this something that um, applies to like pretty much all ages? Like you do this with children, you can do this with adults, or is it kind of more toward You start with adults? about 13. Okay. Um, because okay. the sake of the assessment, it, it's, it's around like, what's your experience with certain areas? How do you, how much do you like doing certain things? And so with mm-hmm. the younger kids, they don't have enough experience to enter those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, how, 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 um, involved is the assessment process? Like, like about how, how long would it take for, for somebody to be assessed? So there's, uh, there's the online assessment that you do. That's like, uh, maybe 30 minutes to fill out, fill out all the questions. Uh, and then we also do, a um, an in-person, like conversational assessment. Mm, okay. So one of my rules for uh, for any personality thing that I work with is never let the computer tell you who you are. So mm. your answers will depend on um, just where you're at when you're answering the question, um, how you're feeling, what mood you're in, what's the last TV show you watched. All that's going to influence how the questions are answered. And so then the computer's just going to return the, the math for it. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so we add the conversational assessment on top of that so that we can look at what the computer's telling us and then measure that against your actual experience. And so that takes another maybe 45 minutes um, to do the conversation. And then we go right from the conversation into looking at um, how this works for you and what careers and hobbies and other tasks will, will fit you best. Hmm. Um, I took the test, the evaluation, and um, discovered how extremely uh, accurate it was. Like not knowing what to expect other than just to try to answer the questions as uh, quickly as I could come to an answer, not overthink it. And by the end, when you, you went through the results with me and you talked about um, you know, explaining each category and what was meant by the questions and various things, um, by the end of that, there was this kind of picture that I got of who, uh, what kind of a person, I'm, how, how I am, my natures and, and what I'm best at. And the categories of things that it recommended for me were exactly what I do. Right. So that was so cool to have that confirmation. Because I do feel like I'm doing what I'm meant to do. Um, but then to see it like that, it just gave, I don't know, it was like closing a loop or something on the, on the mind level of, of, of just sort of realizing that, yeah, this, this also makes logical sense mm-hmm. why I'm doing this, not just that I feel drawn to it. 
Um, so that was really cool. I, I got a, 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 bit, a bit of elation when I saw those results and went, yep, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know? That yeah, it's really feeling. fun when we get we get like the top ten things of like hobbies or tasks that you may enjoy engaging in. And uh, for Carlos, he was like, "Yep, yep, yep, yep." All of those things were he's either done them or he already knows he likes them. Or, or mm-hmm. and that's really um, it's really exciting when that happens. Yeah. And with some other people, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's nothing like I'm what I'm engaging in." And so yeah, maybe those things mm. are something that I would like to try. That sounds really interesting. Mm. Very nice. So, um, uh, because I don't know anything about this, um, uh, could you share like, um, what are some of the natures? Like you, like you give the, the, uh, example of language, but what would be some other examples? So the intelligence is, uh, there's bodily intelligence and there's two different ways that we use our body. So there's, there's like how we use our whole body and like, uh, activities, um, like sports generally, the gross motor, uh, stuff. the gross motor skills. Um, mm-hmm. and then there's the, the fine motor skills. Okay. Uh, so there's bodily, there's, um, there's interpersonal of how we, um, uh, how we relate to each other, how we understand people. Mm-hmm. There's linguistic, there's logical, there's, uh, there's visual intelligence in how we, uh, interact with like graphics, colors, uh, as well as understanding like spatially, visually, how, um, how to do Tetris, how to fill a, a U-Haul truck, how to arrange furniture in a room. Oh, yeah. um, all of that's visual Design, intelligence. Right? Mm-hmm. right. There's a musical intelligence. Uh, there's the intrapersonal intelligence of understanding what's happening inside of us. Mm. And, uh, and then the naturalist intelligence of um, just understanding nature, animals, um, mm. and interacting with that, with the world. Okay. So those are the intelligences. And then the, uh, the natures then combine with the intelligences. And uh, so the natures are uh, protective nature, uh, an educative nature, administrative, um, and I'm hoping the words themselves are, are self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the administrative of, of uh, organizing work, making sure things get done effectively, uh, creative nature, a healing nature, um, an entrepreneurial nature, mm. um, the providing nature of wanting to take care of other people, the um, did I say entertaining already? Entertaining mm. nature? Not yet, but yes. Okay, okay. okay. and the adventurous nature. Got it. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm fascinated. Yeah. 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 I'm fascinated. And, and, um, so, uh, you know, uh, like a lot of things out there, people are usually mixtures. Is that something that happens with this too? Yeah. So it's not like you're one or the other. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a scale of one to 10 and you can figure out where you are with each individual intelligence and nature. Mm. So some people are even seven across the board and, uh, that's really handy because you can put your energy anywhere, but you got a lot Mm. of tigers to feed. Uh, some people have right. one or two that are very high, and then the rest are very low, and then that, that makes mm-hmm. it easy to say, go in that direction. That's what you're built for. Okay. Wow. Wow. And uh, so has this affected the way you see people? Like, uh, I, I, I know that you're supposed to do the, 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 the proper tests, you know, the assessment, you know, mm-hmm. to find out what somebody really is, but do you find yourself just sort of using it on the fly? Like, ah, oh, look at that. I, that person's a total, you know fine coordinator, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, a, li- a little bit, it comes out. Uh, okay, um, okay. I'm not, it's not top of mind as much as, as the Enneagram is, but, um, but it is, you know, people will show their, where their intelligence, where their nature mm-hmm. is. And, um, you know, when it's obvious, it's obvious, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. you know what to look for. I have a question. Um, where, where do you suppose, um, financial intelligence would come into this? Is this mathematical? Is it, I, mean, I feel like mm-hmm. it's not just pure math. It's like there's other things involved with that. Yeah, it would is still be a, a high maybe? logical intelligence. Entrepreneurial is also uh-huh. um, 
part of it um, because entrepreneurial is more about looking for the value, not just in financial and not just in building a business, but uh -huh. um, what's the value for your energy? What, what, what's your return on investment for whatever you're, you're putting any, any resource into? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's going to affect it a lot too. I would imagine things like adventurousness would, pl would have a play into if someone's an entrepreneur and they did at really low, they rate really low on adventurousness, then that might possibly work against them a little bit um, if they were trying to be an entrepreneur mm -hmm. yeah. or wow. even a serial entrepreneur because you need to have that ability to ha have a <clears throat> relatively high risk tolerance, you know? Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. As we know. <laughs> <laughs> um, are these, uh, these categories, um, you know, intelligences and, and the natures, uh, are they considered to be fixed or are they kind of in flux in a person's life? Like, like maybe somebody um, is not very administrative, but they end up in administration. I'm not talking about myself. <laughs> um, and just due to their, their experience, maybe they start to score higher in that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so what, what, are, what are the thoughts around that fixed versus fluid with, with yeah, those it's like It's like learning anything. Um, these are all skills that if we practice it, if we put our energy into it, we can absolutely learn it. The thing is, <coughs> if you have um, like a low, um, I don't know, a low educative nature, um, you can put a lot of energy and practice into increasing that, but it's going to take a lot of energy for you to engage in e educative activities. And so you're going to burn out really quickly. Yeah. So it's, it's not about defining who you are. It's more about how do you use your, your resource of energy mm -hmm. to get the biggest bang for your buck. So, um, mm. so if it's a skill that you want to improve, absolutely do it. Just recognize that it's going to take a lot of energy for you to, to level it up. Where right. if you have a high educative nature, then you'll get energy from engaging in educative activities. And so, um, so it'll be easier for you to put your time and energy in those areas. Mm. Wes, um, <clears throat> because I know that you are, are really deeply interested in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and and diving into those kinds of topics. Um, have you used some of the things that you've learned uh, from your NLP training to help people who, let's say, wanted to be better at something but didn't have that energy, like you were saying, someone who would normally be feeling like they're struggling to make that happen, but then using stuff like collapsing anchors or other, other modes in NLP to, to, to help them to achieve that? Not specifically combined with uh, multiple natures. Okay. I haven't. Because with multiple natures, it's just um, it's just giving them the choice. You can mm -hmm. absolutely go in this direction. You're free to. Yeah. Just as it's going to take energy for you to do it. Um, so then I leave the choice to them. Um, so we're not multiple natures hasn't really been a lot for me around um, creating change for mm -hmm. my clients. Mm -hmm. It's more about creating awareness so that you can make decisions. Cool. Well, and you, you've been um, as long as I've I've known you, you've been really interested in. Um, personality typification systems and things like that. Uh, what, what's kind of like a list of things that you've been curious about that you've dove into a little bit um, to varying degrees? Um, a list of things or, or specifically uh, around personality? <laughs> well, no, I'm curious because this, this is a, um, like been a, been a thing that I've seen that you, you dive into things like MBTI and mm -hmm. uh, I think DISC and stuff like that. Stuff, I don't know anything about DISC really, but, <laughs> um, but um, I'm just kind of curious um, what are some of these personality um, classification systems or whatever that, that have intrigued you through the years? Uh, I have been fascinated by 
almost every single personality system that I've come across. <laughs> mm. So I got started with astrology, and, and that was the start of um, just discovering that there's a language to identify different types of people and, and help me to figure out how to navigate that. Um, and then uh, I learned about DISC, and that was fascinating. I dove deep into that. Um, Myers-Briggs got deep into that. Um, well, else? fascination advantage is, is kind of a newer one that I've started looking at, which, which looks really intriguing, and I want to get deeper into that. Um, and uh, Enneagram has been endlessly fascinating. The more I learn about it, the more I want to learn. So, uh, so that's where most of my attention is right now. The only one that I haven't really gotten anything out of was the Strengths Finder. Mm. Which I guess some people say is good for for teams and stuff, but um, it uh, it turned me off in a lot of ways. Well, and there's spiral. <laughs> there's spiral dynamics. Spiral dynamics too, yeah. and yeah. spiral somatics. Yeah, yeah, that was um, yeah. I really enjoyed just thinking of that and uh, starting to incorporate how spiral interacts with enneagram and yeah, that's a good one too. I like that one. Neat, really neat. If only we had unlimited time and resources. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, man. So thank you for all that. Um, when did you first get interested in the Enneagram? And if you could maybe share a little bit about like, how would someone who knows nothing about it start to understand what we're talking about here? You could talk directly to me. I'll just I, talk yeah, directly I to you. I don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. When did I start to get interested in it? I think I started hearing about it on... Uh, like some kind of podcast or interviews or, or um, books or something like that, um, maybe like seven years ago. Wow. Um, and, you know, new personality model, and I was already studying all the personality models that I could find, so dug into that. And um, now the, uh, it's a lot of things. It's, it's very deep, and it can, it can go in a lot of different ways. I've heard someone say that um, if there's any truth that is not explained by the Enneagram, then you don't understand the Enneagram. <laughs> so um, that is not a belief that I've really incorporated into myself yet. I don't have that level of understanding, but, um, but still there's, there's a lot to it. The way most people use it these days is more of a personality typing system. So uh, the Enneagram is represented by kind of a star shape uh, with nine points on it. And uh, so that identifies nine different uh, types of people. And... Um, my brain just stopped working. So, oh well, <laughs> uh, you were just explaining it, like just so people can understand what it is, because I have some, you have a lot, mm -hmm. and he has none, and probably a lot of the people who are watching and listening just haven't even heard the word before. So, right, okay, anything you can do to kind of start the road, we'll, we'll, we'll walk it together. Cool. All right. So, um, so the enneagram is different from other personality models in that it's not just um, it doesn't just describe like this is the box that you're in. Um, it's more along the lines of um, we're all trying to get to the same place of like health and wholeness and, and completeness as a person. Um, and the nine types are where our starting point is. So we're all trying to get to the same place. We all have a good idea of what, um, what health is, what virtue is, um, what truth is. And we're all moving in that direction, but uh, we're starting from a different place. So in starting from that place, we have different, uh, different challenges, different fears, different uh, things that we're grasping for in our life. And uh, so the Enneagram helps define that as a, um, as a personality type, but also um, beyond just describing who you are, how you operate, um, where, what your path is to growth. So an easy way to think of it is 
Um, you know, in movies, there's billions of different movies out there. But really, there's only like seven stories being told. Mm. And they're just being told over and over with different characters and in different time frames. But it's basically the same character story, right? And mm. there's some movies out there that aren't following one of those stories. But those tend to not be as satisfying. Like we get a, a kick out of like the novelty of it. But it's, it's just it doesn't fit with the stories that we're trying to tell. Um, it reminds me of uh, Jurassic Park when it came out. I had mm-hmm. a friend who went to see Jurassic Park and, mm-hmm. and he saw... Um, the original? The, the, the original, yeah, mm-hmm. the first one. He saw the Wayne Knight uh, character. He played Newman in Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so he's, he's, you know, this overweight guy, glasses, working on computers. And as uh, soon as that guy comes out in the movie, my friend says, that guy's going to die. <laughs> 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 and... Um, my friend, who was also kind of overweight, wore glasses. He was familiar with the pot and body type and the, mm-hmm. the stereotype in the movies. He knows how these guys play out in the movies, yeah, especially yeah. in those days. So, um, so it's like there's, there's those things that, that they just happen over and over again. And if you're paying attention, you can just see that, oh, this is the story that we're telling. So we don't have to figure out all of the different variables, really. We just know, oh, we're, this, is, this is the story. This is the path. That's the fat guy with the glasses. He's going to mm-hmm. die. It's just... Yeah. Right, and it's not dissatisfying. It would actually maybe be dissatisfying if he didn't die at the yeah, end, right? Yeah. Um, Star Trek and being yeah, and right, the, the security guy with a red shirt that gets beamed down to the planet. You know, he's not coming back. Right, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? yeah, that's just the story. So with people, we've got nine different stories, and yeah, there's billions of different variations of that. We're all unique in our own special way, but we're all telling one of the nine stories to ourselves. We're all trying to identify ourselves by one of those nine stories, and that's really helpful when you can just figure out, oh, this is my story. That means this is my challenge. This is where I need to grow. This is where I need to push myself when it looks scary. Um, this is the ridiculous thing that I beat myself up for being afraid of, but I need to push through it anyways. And, mm. and uh, so it's, it's really helpful to articulate that. So mm. one, we can define ourselves. We can start to have compassion for each other because I know I don't know what it's like to be you with all of your struggles, but I know what it's like for my struggles. And I know that we're all dealing with the same thing. So, um, so it helps to build a compassion and it also mm. helps to give us a language. So if I know your type, if I know where you're coming from or what story you're telling, um, I know how to talk to you. I know what you're looking for. I know how to, how to relate to you and build rapport with you. And I don't have to ask a whole lot of questions to get to that. Mm-hmm. Or I would imagine your, the questions that you do ask would be so much more you know, targeted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So, so it's, it's sort of like the idea of, of archetypes, right? Mm-hmm. There are these like human archetypes and and so the enneagram is um just to make sure i got it it, it, it's basically um it's it's storytelling archetypes and and how they apply to each individual and is it like a a mix of them or um so you said there's there's nine points on the star so it's basically nine different types that Mm -hmm. you're dealing with okay wow wow and uh, so each point, if you think of each point representing some, um, some essential, ultimately universally good quality. Mm. Um, so we want all of those and, and all of those exist in us in some level. But what happens is, is um, just through our, our childhood, through our assumptions that we make about life, what we think of ourselves and the people around us, um, we start to lean on one of those and overvalue that and devalue some of the others. Mm. And uh, so because of that, we become imbalanced. And uh, so then we start to believe some things that ultimately aren't, aren't really true, but it seems really true to us, even to the point of life or death. So we protect it. Mm, okay. So um, 
I can run through the nine points if that would be helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd love. I don't want to overload that. you with a whole lot. No, of, that's yeah. great. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. be useful. This, okay. is the, this is the kind of show we dive into things. So yeah, yeah all right, let's, cool, let's, cool. Let's, let's let's go swimming. Yeah. So um, so the enneagram each point is is it's just a number. We just use the number. So it's not a hierarchy. It's just points around the okay the star. Uh, point one is um, ultimately is the desire for goodness for things to be the way they should be. Um, it's it's lovely. It's great. But um, when that becomes overvalued and we become imbalanced with that, then we think that, um, first of all, I know how things should be, and it's not this. So, like, I'm here to fix God's mistakes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there's an overemphasis on making sure that things are correct, sometimes to the point of perfectionism. And uh, that leads to a lot of uh, resentment because I'm putting in all of this work to make things as they should be. And here you are just flaking and not, not pulling your weight to make things as correct as they should be. And so, um, so uh, yeah, so it becomes really frustrating. Mm. Um, and uh, so there's the point that represents the, the essence of the good virtue. And then there's personality type that comes with that when that point is overvalued. Mm. Uh, and then there's point two, which uh, desires a, a connection, um, which wants, uh, it's paying attention to needs and in some ways, need is the language of love. So, so we attend to each other's needs, we attend to our own needs, and that's how we connect and we show love. But when that becomes overvalued, then it becomes more like um, my job is to meet all your needs, um, almost like God needs my help in making sure everyone else's needs are met. So then my needs don't matter, so I need to act like I have it all covered so that I can um, take care of everyone else's needs and create this uh, simulation of connection between us. Mother hen, um, right? right? Right, just by me providing. So mm-hmm. with multiple natures, that would be a high-providing nature. Okay. Um, so so yeah. far, I understand both these these points. Okay, so two, two of the stars sound very familiar. All right, okay. good. <laughs> it's archetype. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So the thing about the Enneagram, just to pay attention to while I'm going through this, is um, sometimes we may see bits of ourselves in each point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's kind of like me, that's kind of like me. Oh, yeah, I'm a lot there sometimes. Um but often when I'm describing someone's, like, their main imbalance or their mm-hmm. point, their, mm-hmm. their personality type, then it's like someone's been reading your diary. Then it's like, oh, <laughs> uh, no one's supposed to know that about me. And it starts to create this feeling of vulnerability. So uh-huh. um, if I, you know, create that feeling or anything, just that's part of the deal. That just might mean okay. that that's so your if, type. If we start to blush or <laughs> right. something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Get uncomfortable <laughs> in our chair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then that's probably what that means. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that's a common experience. That's not a universal experience, but it's common. Uh, okay, so next is uh, point three. Point three wants like glory, value. It wants uh, it wants excellence, right? Those are beautiful things. Mm-hmm. When that becomes overvalued, then it's it's more like my only value in life is what I can accomplish, is the great things that I can achieve, okay. or at least that I can look successful, that I can pe- appear like I'm doing well to the people around me. Um, and that, that I need the external validation from others to recognize how successful I am. Otherwise, I'm worthless and what's the point of living? Um, so uh, for threes, it's, um, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of uh, running from failure. And uh, so it can be exhausting and it leads to, it, it can lead to a lot of um, like self-deceit and deceit of others around them. Because if I'm not actually successful, well, I'll just put up this image that I look successful 
So if two people came to my class, I'll tell you 50 people came because that feels more true to me. And, mm. and uh, you know, metaphorically, it's kind of what's happening. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll just find a way for it, it to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fudge the facts. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so point four is about, um, is about our uniqueness. It's about um, the, the significance of the individual. And uh, again, so it's about depth and meaning. It's beautiful things. And when that becomes out of balance, then it's, it's that I am so unique that no one else can, can even get me. Um, so mm-hmm. now I'm excluded because of my uniqueness. Mm-hmm. So I desperately want to be included in the group. I want to be included with everyone else. Um, I want to be appreciated. But also, my uniqueness is so deep and so much more like amazing than all these basic people around me that, that I can never be accepted. So it's like this, this um, tension. Mm. Uh, it's like a push-pull thing of like, mm-hmm. come close, come see me, but also you're never going to accept me because I'm too much for you, so mm-hmm. I'll just keep you away before I'm rejected. So. And, and can that one have like kind of like a, a, a positive and a negative? Like I could see somebody uh, being a little narcissistic in the way that, you know, like I'm super, super special, but then somebody might also say, I'm totally messed up. You don't want me. I'm the worst you've mm-hmm. ever known. I mean, could, could right. it, it has two faces like that or uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it depends on the person. Some people just wallow in how they'll never be accepted by anyone. And some people are really striving to show their uniqueness and be super creative or super artistic or, or talk publicly about their special unique trauma. And, and uh, it's all different, different ways to try to be recognized for their, their uniqueness to try to figure out that mm-hmm. imbalance in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the heart of it is a deep envy and, uh, and a melancholy that's, uh, that's common in fours. Um, the type fives are about, um, about knowing, ultimately about omniscience, about mm-hmm. wanting to know all the things because mm-hmm. there's so much, so many cool things to know all about. Hmm. And um, again, it's a beautiful thing. But when that becomes our imbalance, then uh, knowing is the only thing that matters. So once I understand something, then I'm done. I don't have to act it out. If I understand how people work, great. That doesn't mean I actually have to have conversations or interact with people because I already got it. I understand it. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it becomes a, an overemphasis on the head and um, the heart and the body tend to not follow along with that. They're just kind of there to make sure that the head can keep thinking its, its thoughts. Mm. Uh, and it can lead to an isolation that because you don't really need to engage. Once you understand it, then... Um, your things aren't getting done. Your dreams aren't being accomplished. And um, you're the armchair adventurer, right? Armchair adventurer. <laughs> you never actually leave your armchair. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, one day I'll get there. But um, at least, you know, you can sit down. You can make your plan to get there. And then once the plan's written out, cool. I've done it. It's like, what's the point of even going? <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, so a lot gets missed out for for fives when that's the main mm. imbalance. Okay. Uh, for sixes. Uh, the desires for, um, it's also a knowing, but it's more of a knowing what to do and knowing how to operate. And, um, when that becomes the main imbalance, then, uh, it's almost like you can't trust your own thoughts because there's so many questions that you can ask about, about what to do and how to operate. It's, uh, it becomes an overemphasis on what could go wrong mm. and uh, often leads to a constant worry, uh, cause there's always things that could go wrong. Um, and there's always what if questions that you can ask. And um, the more questions that you ask to try to solve that problem, the more, uh, the more questions you figure out need to be asked before you can feel satisfied. Uh, so sixes especially tend to get um, analysis paralysis, that they, um, they, they can't act, they can't move until they've answered all the questions, and it becomes very stressful. 
Um, so anxiety is common for, uh, for sixes, especially. I mean, any type can experience anxiety, but it's especially common with sixes. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just, a, just a not trusting themselves. Um, there's always some external that needs to dictate what the right thing is to do. Um, and without that external, then it, it again, it, it just feels unsafe to take action without the external validation. Mm. So it's hard. It's hard for sixes. Uh, point seven is about, um, it's about anticipation. It's about looking forward to how amazing, how beautiful, how wonderful life can be, how wonderful things can be. And uh, when that becomes the imbalance, then it's more about a chasing after the next exciting thing rather than an uh, inability to sit with whatever's here now. If what's here now is um, uncomfortable or negative in some way, the thoughts start to become that um, if you allow this, you'll get stuck there and it will become a permanent thing. Mm. So you have to escape from it as quickly as possible, either in your thoughts or uh, making plans or um, uh, just getting out and doing, doing something, whatever and, um, spontaneous, exciting thing that you can do. Um, so sevens are often bringing a lot of fun to the environment and it, it seems like a nice thing to have. Um, but also it's coming from the, the, the fear and the running, uh, which often, you know, a lot of these things are unconscious so we're not aware of them in ourselves. Uh, point eight is about feeling alive. It's about uh, energy and life force. It's about power flowing through us. And uh, it's really nice. But when it becomes the imbalance, then it's almost a, a not trusting of um, life to flow as it should. Um, it's more I have to force it to flow. Um, if, thing, if the energy here feels dead, then I have to liven it up. I have to bring my energy uh, to make something happen. And um, so because their focus is on uh, their own energy and they want to feel their power, they don't want to feel like they're under anyone else's thumb. So if they feel like someone's trying to take advantage of them, someone's trying to control them or manipulate them, uh, they will not allow that. Um, They see value in conflict and fighting. Um, Because if, uh, if I'm you know, bringing my force to this conversation and you're bringing force back, that means you're really showing up. So that's mm. great. Now I can trust you, right? Mm. But uh, since there's eight other types who don't really value conflict in the sum- same way, um, they often feel uh, like bullied. That, that seems mean. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so it's, it's hard for eights to, to find those connections with other types, with people who won't show up, who won't bring that energy and, and fight back with mm. them. But that's because eights think that's the way you're supposed to do it. It brings a lot of disappointment, I would imagine, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, there's so much. I could talk about this for days. I do in my class. But <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, point nines is about, uh, it's about unity. It's about peace and, and wholeness. And uh, when that becomes the imbalance, then um, we kind of make uh, the comfort or the feeling, the sense of peace, the, the highest priority. So, um, so it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what I need. Because if I speak that, then uh, it will disrupt kind of the peace of the situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, nines very commonly forget themselves and just go with the flow. Um, they, they identify themselves with whatever person or with whatever job or whatever group that they're around because uh, it's easier just to you know, just forget that your, your identity matters and, and associate yourself with whatever the group once. Um, so with, with nines, it's, it's hard to contact them. It's, it's, um, it's like they'll say, you, you can ask them a question and they'll say what they think you want to hear. And, um, 
uh, when it comes to action or actually trying to engage with them, actually trying to connect with them, it's, it's hard to find the, the essential person in there that you can connect with. They're, they're nice to be around. They're pleasant. They're, they're peaceful. Um, but when you're looking for like a deep, meaningful connection, it's hard to find with nines. And, uh, and they often feel um, the isolation from that as well. Mm. You know, they're often not consciously aware of it because so much energy is going on to neglecting themselves and merging with the people around them. Are these the kind of people that almost seem um, two-dimensional? Like they don't, they don't really open up to show you the depth of who they are. And they're, they're maybe just putting on a front, in a sense, a lot, but for a variety of reasons, either insecurity or not feeling safe. But they're, they've kind of um, a little bit of the Stepford wife kind of... Is that, is that what we're talking about here, when you're, or is this something different? Kind of. Um, again, all types can can do that. It's mm-hmm. more about what's motivating that. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, like a three can absolutely do that mm-hmm. because um, they're very good at projecting the image that they think that you want to see. Mm-hmm. And um, so if they're, you know, um, showing you any depth isn't what they think is, is necessary or going to help their image, then they won't do that. So they can look, Stafford Wife, all, all the nine types can. Um, but it's more of a motivation of um, the nines are really truly just neglecting themselves. And... Um, and just kind of like physically showing up without bringing their heart or their mind into it too much. Okay. I was, um, uh, you know, getting images of people I know, characters I've mm. seen in TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course some of those, you know, um, rang true for me and my own experiences. Um, uh, so, uh, lots of questions, I guess. Um, one question that's on my mind is in this Enneagram system, uh, what does balance look like? Good question. That's a great question. Balance looks like um, ultimately presence. Ultimately, um, when we are most in whatever our fixations and behaviors that are, that are coming from our, our personality type, um, it's like we're in a trance of that type. We're asleep to ourselves, we're asleep to reality. And we're just in our habitual patterns uh, to do our thing um, and not very conscious of that. So the more present we are, the more we can sit with what is here, what is actually happening. And each type has their different path to figure out what presence means for them. But uh, when we can be present, um, we can start to uh, let go of the personality type. So it's less about trying to be something different because that's just more ego trying to be ego. Uh, when we can recognize this is my personality type doing its thing, this is my ego trying to fulfill this particular need. Uh, if I can relax and just be here in this moment, the ego doesn't need to try to be anything else. I don't. It's almost like waking up from from a dream. I remember this dream I had where I was like on this quest. I had to find all of these things. Like it was. It felt very important, and it felt like it was like days that I was on this quest, but. I woke up from it and I was like, oh, well, just walk away from it. Just, okay, I guess it didn't mean anything. Mm, yeah. right? Thank and, and God I don't have to find that right. thing I was There's this one more statue night. that I could never yeah. find, but I don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> That's um, great. The blue and, rose and so it, it's more like that. It's not <laughs> trying to, it's not like identifying your strengths and weaknesses and trying to, to uh, fix that. Mm-hmm. It's more just recognizing this is the ego doing the ego's thing. I can wake up from that at any minute and just be here. Mm. And when I'm here, then I'm not doing my ego thing. Mm. which I, I um, want to name what, it, uh-huh. what is happening here because it's, it's such a thing. Yeah. Um, 
how often we forget ourselves, how often we go to sleep. When I was describing the nine types to you, um, I was unconscious. Like I woke up when you mm. asked me what presence or what balance looks mm. like. Mm-hmm. And thank you for that. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Because then I felt all three of us wake up, I think, at yeah. that moment. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I had a question I was going to ask, and um, I forgot. So, Carlos, oh, maybe... It'll come right back to you after yeah, It I will, because I know ask you're going to uh, plant that seed in me. Um, yeah. So a lot of people, it seems, uh, even me when I was first uh, introduced to it, are thinking about this just as, you know, this is who I am. You know, like, I'm going to take this test and it's going to tell me what I am, and that's it. Like, it's fixed. Mm-hmm. And then also um, what you said about... Um, you know, the ego still being an ego when it's just trying to, to fix itself, you know, that kind of thing. I think a lot of people do think of that either with regard to themselves, I need to fix this about me because mm-hmm. I'm this number or that number, or that person's this number and they need to fix themselves because <laughs> they've got that problem. Right. So anyway, I'm just glad you said that. Um, how do you get people to reinvest that attention that they were spending or maybe wasting on that and reinvest it on this what sounds like a philosophical self-development program yeah it it, uh it can be it depends on where the person is at how aware they are of Mm -hmm. themselves um Mm -hmm. we can any movement is good movement so if someone wants to come in because they want to be not this and want to be something else Mm -hmm. then uh we can use that to start identifying what's the motivation to be something else and just starting to build an awareness around that step one is awareness so if we can just start to name what's there then we can start to recognize how often that thing comes up. And once we can name how often that thing comes up, then we can start to recognize, is that really serving you or is that keeping you stuck in those same old patterns? Um, and so even if, uh, you know, many people aren't, uh, these are deep unconscious things. We're not really eager to identify what's unconsciously uh, super scary to us that seems ridiculous when we think about it consciously. We're not really eager to do that. So it's easier to keep it unconscious. And so because of that, it can be difficult for some people to identify their type. And that's totally fine. If you think you're, uh, if you think you're a nine um, when you know, no one else but, but God knows that you're a four, well, do the work of the nine and start working on that, building up your awareness. And when you find out that the work of the nine is really easy, then uh, you recognize, okay, so maybe I need the, to start looking at a different type. And then you can look at, you know, find the type four. Oh, that's the scary thing. That's the hard thing to work on. Okay. Mm. That means that's, that's where your work is to do. Wes, what's, one of, what's something that you personally, like an epiphany or some, some kind of a, a sense of a landmark in your life that this has helped or revealed to you? Like what's kept you really, really on fire about it? Um, thank you, Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, um, smiling because, uh, it just came up for me today. So, um, in front of the cameras and the microphones and everything, I'll tell you guys that I was really anxious to come mm. here. Oh. Um, I was just, yeah, nervous about being, being public, being visible. And, uh, you know, that's easy. You know, everyone has some kind of stage fright or something. And, uh, with my background of the Enneagram, I know my type. I know what, what patterns are gonna keep coming up for me. And so I'll get in my little trance of anxiety for a little bit and then I'll wake up from that and say, oh, there's that thing again. And uh, so I was feeling anxious here and I started to recognize, well, it's because I wanna be perceived as an expert to all of these people. And I don't know who's out there. I know there's someone out there who knows more than me who will know that I'm not really an expert. Mm. And if I'm not really an expert, wh- what am I? I might as well be dead. Mm. 
right? And, and that's the unconscious message. That's not something I tell myself mm. consciously. But, um, um, but it was with my knowledge of the Enneagram that I was able to pinpoint that so quickly because I've been there before. I've been, nice. This has been my thing, right? Nice. Um, but it's not just about um, being the expert. It's about that's, that's my ego, right? My ego wants to identify my role in the world is I'm the person who knows. And so if I am ever in a position where I might be perceived as not the person who knows, that's a big hit to my ego, mm. right? And um, so I, I went, like, once that realization came, and went from feeling anxious to laughing at myself. <laughs> How silly. <laughs> There's that thing again. My ego wanting to be the important thing here. And, um, and that's where I remembered the thing that I need to be working on is I'm not here to deliver information for you guys. I'm not here as, as a teacher. That's what my ego wants, is my ego wants to, to feel important by the amount of information that I can bring, how, quali quali or how high quality it is, and how much I know, mm. right? Mm. Um, the thing that I neglect is uh, maybe I can just be here as a person mm -hmm. and maybe show some of myself, um, which is something that I never would have even thought to do if I didn't have the Enneagram to kind of help me to recognize what story I'm telling myself wow. and how often I... Um, I try to use the information as like a shield to um, protect people from, um, or protect me from being seen visibly, mm -hmm. like what's underneath all of that. Hmm. Well, that's powerful. Yeah. Right? And, and that's just today. Wow. Right? Yeah, that's powerful, man. <laughs> wow. I mean, this is the authenticity show. I mean, you just were very authentic with us. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. And it's interesting because how much, we, we, as we know, you learn so much from just being present and having a conversation mm -hmm. and yeah. being curious. Yeah. That alone is 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 the um, you know it, it spawns such incredible insights and questions and epiphanies. Just that alone. Yeah, definitely. So that's what I, we always aim for. That when we try to have have this conversation, yeah. I don't know that we always achieve it, but we we aim to try to get that moment where it feels like <gasps> something changes in the room and we feel like we're yeah, connecting yeah. And, and, and and it usually yeah. happens when um, we get back to the core of what we're supposed to be doing which is just to have a real conversation and we're just letting people eavesdrop that's it yeah right so this is no performance <laughs> this is just us really we're just liter literally having a conversation you mm -hmm. know we could get rid of these microphones and you know but we're just gonna leave them here because here they are right. you know these guys did yeah, all this hard work to get them all set too up much effort to move everything. them now yeah i know <laughs> i know you know we're already here um i could see people um quickly misusing this in in funny ways like yeah my wife is such an eight you yeah. know you're she you know oh you're being such a six you know i could see that happen mm -hmm. you know because uh, it just seems so tempting yeah well know? join the facebook group see all the memes and they're, they're mm -hmm. i mean they are funny but they're they're um yeah they're me like when you think of it like the, the enneagram is helping us to identify what someone's like what pain we're all trying to to deal with, right? We're all fighting battles and the Enneagram helps us to identify mm -hmm. what battles we're fighting. Mm -hmm. And now we can create a meme that can make fun of your battle because it's not mm -hmm. my battle, right? Yeah. That's, that's me. Yeah. That's, that's humor that's right there in a nutshell. Make fun of your battle. Right. That's pretty much it. So I, I, mine I laugh at it, yeah. but I think twice before, you know, spreading it and sharing yeah. it. But, um, <laughs> this is fodder for comedians. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I bet. Um, do you know of, of any, speaking of comedians, uh, who are really huge fans of the Enneagram that try to use that in their humor at all? Have you ever heard, any, heard of that? Because it seems like there'd be a lot to explore there mm -hmm. for a stand-up comedian. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I've heard, what's her name? The Parkinson's Rec lady. Oh, um, um, Amy Poehler? 
Amy yes, Poehler. Amy yeah. Poehler. She's talked about it, um, but it seemed like to be like that that just kind of you know party trick kind of mm-hmm. oh, okay. meme. Like someone yeah. told her she's a three, and so she went on some talk show and said she's a three, and and mm-hmm. how funny okay. that was. Yeah. Um, so I know that stuff like that's come out. But I haven't heard anyone really um, well, talk about I, it. I ask you partly because of what he said, but also because of what we were saying before the show started, which was we were talking about um, the German Netflix show Dark mm-hmm. and how you said that the writers or the producers were um, very influenced by the Enneagram and were incorporating concepts from the Enneagram consciously into the writing. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I don't recall the name. Um, uh, who exactly it was, but one of the big names behind Dark um, had studied with Russ Hudson, who is a, a big author, one of the foremost teachers on the Enneagram, and uh, he was one of the the really one of the main people who brought it into uh, public attention because before then it was like private groups or mainly for um, like clergy or or uh, specific like therapists and counselors, and um, so Russ Hudson and and through his training he connected with teacher of dark and so That's i haven't neat. seen a lot of the show to to really say how that works um but uh i've heard russ hudson say that this person took classes with him and mm. knows the enneagram and well, uses well, it in her work yeah. so i enjoyed cool. the series very much yeah. and would recommend it i'm looking forward to it i'm, yeah. I'm planning on it too yeah <laughs> um, i haven't seen it yet so so where does all this come from the so the the enneagram what area of the world is it and do we have any idea where the hell it came from <laughs> Uh, it, well, it, it's, it's a lot of sources mixing together. So the Enneagram itself, it's nine point star. Um, I mean, that goes back to, um, like before Christ, like it's, it's been around, uh, the number nine has been of high significance. Um, I think in the, uh, in the Odyssey, they talk specifically about making, uh, sacrifices of like nine groups of nine bulls, or I don't remember. It's been a while since I've read it. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, then the number nine's been around for a long time as some kind of spiritual or magical significance, mm-hmm. um, as well as other numbers that are incorporated into the Enneagram, the number one, the number three, the number seven. Um, I mean, we could spend days just talking about all the all the ways that they show up in, in whatever kind of religious system or mythology um, that we want to talk about. And so, uh, so there's been some kinds of, of um, teachings around that. Uh, and so, like, spiritually, it, 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 it I don't know, it, it comes from lots of places. So, um, uh, Gurdjieff uh, came from, from Russia and started teaching uh, maybe 100 years ago or a little earlier um, and incorporated some of the, the Enneagram in his teachings, but it wasn't specifically, like, Enneagram teachings. He was teaching more... Um, more awareness, more presence, more uh, how to remember yourself. And it was later through his students and, and students of them that started to see how all of this, and he was the one that said that, that any truth can be explained from the Enneagram. So his students started to see how all of this fits into the model of the Enneagram. So he was influenced by that and he created his system of self-development or whatever it was he was doing. Right. Um, do you have any uh, knowledge of, of whether or not he intentionally put... Uh, like infused it with Enneagram teachings? Was he veiling it on purpose because he didn't want to share? Do you know anything about that part? I I mean, he did a lot of veiling on purpose because he didn't want to share and and allowing his students to discover the mystery. Uh Uh, He talked about the shape, the symbol itself that we still use uh, in our teachings today. Um, He didn't really talk about it in terms of a a typology. He didn't talk about Hmm. personality. He did recognize people as being different and... um, 
he would he would name people as what kind of idiot you are, um, <laughs> or which or, the nine um, idiots, yeah. Or you yeah. could see some of the things that he said that, that uh, you know he'd be standing next to a person and say, "I know I see you here, but um, but I don't sense that you're here at all." And now in in today's language with typology, oh, he was standing next to a nine. That's what it's like to stand next to a nine. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. But he didn't use that kind of type, um, typology in his teaching. So it, it came through um, Oscar Ichazo started to create a typology around it. He made uh, he identified a lot of, of ways that the uh, the enneagram and sets of nine fit into that. Um, so he started to name a typology, and then Claudio Naranjo um, started to develop that a little bit more and, and bring more teachings on that and write about it. Um, so from Naranjo, then uh, went to yeah a lot of clergy and and. Um, Russ Hudson and Don Riso learned from him as well as, as uh, a lot of other current Enneagram authors and teachers. Has it has it integrated at all um, into Sufism, or is Sufism one of the sources of Enneagram stuff, or do we even know? They say that it has some roots in Sufism and uh, whatever they call Desert Fathers, which hasn't been identified. Mm. So... Um, yeah, there's been some dubious teachers along the way, too, that uh, have been known to make stuff up to make it sound more interesting. And so we don't really know, like, where exactly all the lineage comes from. Okay. So do we have to watch out for who are those <laughs> sly foxes? Right. Do you, do you, can you think of any of those names that we should... Oh, the sly foxes? Yeah, the ones that we should avoid. It'll throw uh, us off. No. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just be aware. No, I mean it, it's more about um, like any really religious system. It's it's not so much about what what they say the truth is or what they say it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about try it on, see what works. Mm. Um, okay. And so that's why the Enneagram teachings are still still evolving, still developing, okay. and any new psychology model that comes out, whether it's um, like object relations or um, neurotic needs or. Um, uh, uh, Names are escaping me right now. Karen Hornai and uh, Gestalt Theory. Um, oh, uh, Fritz Perls. Fritz Perls, yeah. Uh, they have, like, their information has been incorporated into the Enneagram mm-hmm. teachings and fit very nicely with the different types. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, their, their teachings have been relatively recent, according oh. to all this. So, so it, it's it, more about just trying it on, seeing how it fits, and then recognizing, oh, wow, this all works really nicely together. It sounds like it has some, you know, um, sort of ancient roots, but that most of the uh, the main body of the most usable form has been within the last 50, 60 years. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's about right. Mm. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I'm getting images of yin and yang and the five elements and how like you could apply that to kind of all sorts of things in life. Yeah. But it's kind of kind of a little mysterious and where to, where exactly it came from, mm-hmm. That's which makes it kind of funner. You yeah. know, it's, I think it's fun. I yeah. love that you said funner. Funner. I've been I, I arguing that, said that funner. funner should be in the dictionary. It is, it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. stupider. Stupider. Yeah, yeah. funner, stupider. <laughs> totally yeah. makes sense. You know. <laughs> er. Um, yeah. um, so the idea of um, like alchemy, right, mm. um, of combining specific elements to make mm. something mm-hmm. that uh, <clears throat> uh, seems magical, right? Uh psychologically and with the work of the Enneagram, it is alchemy work. Mm. It's, it's using the same principles. It's using the same laws. It's just, it's not trying to make, you know, magic things. It's not trying to make gold from lead. It's, it's more about finding the gold in us mm. um, through incorporating these, these laws. Um, and uh, so, yeah, th- so there's, there's a lot to be used there that's 
the typology itself is what's recent. Hmm. But the, the system and, and uh, the, the symbol for like evolution and growth and how the laws interact with each other, that's ancient. And who knows where that came from. At some point a little while ago when you were describing what it was and, and <clears throat> what it does for us, you know, um, when you use the analogy of, of kind of like waking up and realizing that, oh, gosh, I'm free from that. I don't know. As you were describing that, um, uh, my, my fascination was coming from a place of feeling like, oh, that sounds like a relief. That sounds so good. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I kind of like want to know how to feel that relief, mm-hmm. you know, um, right. that, that's, you know. And now, of course, my ego is saying that, and I think maybe it's not going to like it once it starts to dive in there and find out. Just go, <laughs> I was wrong. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm real uncomfortable sitting here. But I haven't blushed yet, so so that's good. All right, but, good. You know, yeah. Well, that could mean something too, but sure. Yeah. See, see. Now I'm starting to blush. Okay. It might, well, it's just the rum. It's the rum. And and that portion of what you're mentioning there does remind me of um, vipassana, mm. uh, in that. The teachings, um, like especially as Goenka would put it, is um, that it's, you know, I don't remember his exact words, but I, I remember reading in William Hart's book mm. something about um, how many people think when they start to dive into meditation and searching for insights, they're, they're really, um, unless they're really clear that they're searching for insight, there's a lot of this kind of, um, I'm meditating to feel good or to um, uh, avoid actually looking inward and, and witnessing who you are. Mm-hmm. So the meditation becomes a little bit of a prop to mm-hmm. uh, prop themselves up. And, and they, um, you know, at the end of the day, that the, the work of looking and seeing yourself uh, a lot of times isn't comfortable. It's very uncomfortable and it's ugly. And if, unless you can uh, kind of commit yourself to accepting your own ugliness and accepting your own fears, challenges, insecurities, what have you, uh, you don't really get insight. You just get more ego stuff like you're talking about, mm-hmm. more of that kind mm-hmm. of propping yourself up and using your ego to create other complexity instead of just really seeing who you are underneath. Right. So that's, it's a courageous move in my mind when you, whenever there's something or like an approach like you're talking about that um, emphasizes, you know, dropping the shit and just, seeing what's really there, acknowledging what is, really diving in. Um, I mean, that is, in fact, a, the name of our show, you know, authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't be self-authoring unless you know what's actually there in the first place. Yeah. So I, I love that. So I could the see fun that thing is, there. how do you see what's really there when you've programmed yourself to not see it? Yeah. Right? How do you find your own blind spots? Yep. Your if you already know what the story is, if you already know the Enneagram story, then you know what blind spots spots to be looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now polish the lens. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes to you, so this is a service that you would do for somebody. Is that how this, is that one way that this works? I use it as part of my coaching. Okay. Um, so, and I coach all kinds of people, whether it's um, just personal development or fixing whatever problems in their life or, or uh, working with relationships. It's super yeah. powerful. And okay. again, people are people. So, Knowing the stories is helpful. Yeah. So, so if somebody, um, let me rephrase, is this the kind of thing where, okay, let's say I say, uh, I, I want Wes to help me figure out my Enneagram. Mm-hmm. You could do it that way. Or is this more the kind of thing that is a beautiful topic that people can just, are, are supposed to just read about and learn about on their own? Is it both? It, it can be a process of, um, 
of discovery. It can take a long time. So again, it depends on where you're coming from, what stories you've been telling yourself so far, um, what you're willing to see in yourself, um, how aware you are of yourself already. Um, so it, it depends on a lot of things. So sometimes through a conversation, you know, we could spend 20 minutes together and say, yep, that's your type. You feel like that's your type? You can be like, yep, that's totally me. I'm going to do the work. Cool. Done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and other okay. people are like, I don't know. And then, you know, it, it can take a long time. Mm. So um, when I do a typing conversation or a typing interview with people, mm-hmm. um, I may use some of the results from like an online test as like the start of the conversation. Um, I have some just open-ended questions that I ask just to see what kind of information they, they give back to me. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, I can say, um, like, I can't tell you what your type is because I don't know what's driving all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can say what I'm hearing is it sounds like you may be A, B, or C. And so I would recommend for you, try doing the work on A and see what that feels like. And read up okay. on A, B, and C, see what, you know, see what feels like someone's been reading your diary and... And that might mean something for you. Right, right. right. <laughs> okay, nice. But it can take some more digging at the end of that conversation. Okay. So it's not the kind of thing where like you you sit down and like there's a formal assessment that you do and it spits out a number. Is it? Is it? I, I'm I, sure I there, mean, you can, there is you some can of that. Pay a lot for for okay. tests like that, but at the okay. end of it, you're having a computer tell you who you are. So right. Um, right. If you're not, um, yeah, if you're not paying attention to yourself, if you're not being aware and present to what's going on in you, then. Mm. You know, okay. the computer's answers are just a start yeah, of a conversation. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, what are some good sources out there? Like, what are some, uh, are, are there some, some books? Well, you do courses, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you could talk about uh, how does a person learn about this stuff? How, how could a pre- people could take your course? People could pick up a book. What are yeah, some resources yeah. that are out there? Uh, well, you could go to my website, forgeenneagram.com. Forgeenneagram.com. Okay. Uh, and we could probably add a link in the show notes or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Something like that. Um, so on <clears throat> on my website, um, I have a foundations course that runs through the nine types and some of the basics to understand how they navigate together, how to interact with different types, and mm-hmm. so that's a good starter course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a live course that I do uh, coaching with the Enneagram, which uh, mm-hmm. which I'll be teaching um, starting March next year. Cool. So for coaches, therapists, counselors. Um, how to serve your clients in the way that they, they really need to be served. So if somebody comes to you and says, uh, I don't know, I, I, I need to be more motivated and be more successful, um, you know, maybe you can do all the work to help them be more motivated and be successful, and maybe you're just helping them do their ego thing and, and do the thing that's really not healthy for them. Mm-hmm. So if you know Enneagram, then, then you can use their motivation to help them to get what they really need and really serve them in a sustainable way. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to be teaching that. That'll be a... Um, a certification course that I'm, I'm doing. So that starts in March. Nice. So that's on the website as well as a, um, a free typing link that I have, which my free typing, it's, it's uh, just really, I love doing it. It's mm-hmm. for fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you answer some of the open-ended questions and then hit submit. And then I'll just respond back with an email saying, this is what I'm hearing. Look into this. It seems like these patterns are here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's the start of a good conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's on my website. Uh, there's books by um, Russ Hudson and, and Don Risso are some of the originals that are uh, very good information and very useful mm-hmm. today. Are they good as primers or more as you've gotten into it a little bit? Um, both. Both. Yeah. So I mean, they get very deep, but they've got, you know, you don't have to read it, you know, mm-hmm. front to back, page by page. You can skip to the, you know, read the summary part and then skip to the next summary part. And mm-hmm. um, so lots of good information in those. Nice. Um, 
yeah, uh, there's, I don't know, there's a variety of books with, with different opinions on what's good and what's not, but mm-hmm. um, pretty universally everyone agrees that Russ Hudson and Don Russo are, are always good. Did they write <laughs> The Wisdom of the Enneagram? Is yes. That, okay, cool. Yeah, and personality types, and yeah, they, they have several. Excellent. Here, so here's a question. Um, the word Enneagram, where does that come from? What does that mean? Oh, it's uh, a stupid basic word. Ennea nine. means nine, and oh, okay. gram means like shape or... Okay. Not, yeah. Star a nine, pattern. A, a so it's a starish yeah. pattern with nine shape. points. Yeah. <laughs> a ninograph. Yeah. Okay. Ninograph. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did the same thing you did. It's, it's yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, our questions are hanging out together somewhere. They are. They are. <laughs> yeah. They are. They'll knock on the door and then um, and then we'll get there. But the good thing is we get to come up with different questions. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, so we've got to come up with one now, mm-hmm. which is you know, there's a lot of pressure, right? <laughs> I'm waiting. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, um, um, so am I. Yeah. Um, I have heard here and there stories about um, like Enneagram typification being very useful in um, people uh, becoming persuasive, like in situations where, like, let's say, an FBI agent, a NSA agent, a CIA agent mm-hmm. might get training in something like Enneagram and begin to sort of use that system to help them uh, facilitate uh, rapid rapport and things like that. Have you heard stories about like this too? Uh, I haven't heard specific stories about uh, organizations using it like that, but I mean, it's obvious. Yeah. Anything that you know about a person quickly and easily to build rapport. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and I think like, like that's still thinking about it in that um, very, almost want to say Western linear kind of mindset Mm -hmm. where, you know, this has to, you know, start from the beginning here, work to the end, and then that's it, right? Right. And it sounds a little bit like the way you, the way you're emphasizing um, your understanding of, of the Enneagram, it's almost like you kind of jump in the middle somewhere and then you figure out where everything goes. It's like you go into the deep end kind of mm-hmm. because it sounds like you're respecting that there's a lot of depth and a lot of layers and you can't really just start at step one and work your way linearly to step 10. It doesn't right. really quite work, or step nine in this case. But um, is that true? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like if you um, uh, you need some imaging done on your body, like at the hospital, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, depending on what the issue is, maybe you need an X-ray, maybe you need a, an MRI, maybe mm. you need a mammogram, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the different imaging things they'll give you different quality of um, of images and, and show you different things. Um, but you know, if you if you got a broken leg, then maybe you don't need a full like MRI, mm. right? Maybe an X-ray will be fine. Right, mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah. If I if uh, if I know your enneagram type, there's a lot that I know about how you operate, what your preferences are, how to communicate with you, um, where your obstacles are going to be. Um, yeah, I, I, there's a lot I know. How to make you blush? How to make you blush? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How to read your diary? Or if it's possible mm-hmm. for you to yeah. blush? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But you know, if I want to build rapport with you, I mean, yeah, I can. The enneagram will will tell me that. Um, but if all if all I want to do is have a tool that helps me to build rapport quickly and easily, I mean the enneagram is a lot to just get to that quick end. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with the the um, the bank system B A N K, it's uh, like different sets of values, four sets of values. You put them in order of, of priority, and it's pretty. It's not that difficult to identify what someone's like top two values will be with only four to choose from, right? So if I know you're a B. Really easy to, to build rapport with you just based on that. And um, so there's other models that will help you to get there mm-hmm. a lot quicker and easier. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, the Enneagram absolutely can do it. But this is, it sounds like it's more um, geared toward a, a lifelong approach to doing, you know, soul al- alchemy. Yeah. In a sense, converting soul alchemy, soul like alchemy right? <laughs> yeah, like like getting yeah. down to uh, who you, what your true nature is, and um, you know, using the principles of alchemy to to harmonize the opposites in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, in the work I do um, with with coaching and working with individuals, um, the thing that I love is when people learn to wake up like I've learned to wake up. And so mm. uh, the Enneagram is, is a huge tool and really the only one. I haven't seen Myers-Briggs or um, DISC or anything else really do that. So, yeah. um, so the Enneagram has been a huge tool in, in making that so much more effective. Um, so for, for a, um, like a vocational thing, yeah, it's, it's super effective for me. Uh, and then personally, because I love studying people and it's it's just my own fascination. Yeah, I mean, I love digging in. It, it, this is the one that gets endlessly deep. Um, I feel like I got to the bottom of Myers-Briggs. I probably didn't. That's probably arrogant to say, but mm-hmm. I feel like I got there. Um, with all the other things, I feel like I got enough. I got it. Uh, with Enneagram, I'm, I'm, I'm deep, deep into it and still endlessly fascinated at, at what else is there to learn. That's promising mm. and scary, right? <laughs> so yeah. you don't have to get in as deep as I have, but um, so it's, it's useful anyway. Still playing a little bit in the shallow end, I admit, but um, I wanted to just play a quick game, which I'm sure you will excel at. Yeah, it's easy um, like for you, I'm sure. Uh, you went through the the types, and what I would like to ask is, when I call out a number, if you could just think of three words and that that make sense to you. Okay. To encapsulate that number. Only three words. Only three words. Okay. Okay. So one. What are the three words oh, that <laughs> <laughs> that could sum it up for you? Um, structure, right, and good. Structure, right, and good. Hmm. Okay. Two. Nice. Care. Need. Nice, care, and need. Three. I will win. (laughs) (laughs) A sentence even. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Four. Special. Um, Deep. And meaning. Hmm. Special, deep, and meaning. Five. Knowing. Curious. And awe. Six. Safe. Courage. Help. Seven. Fun. Forward. Stuck. Eight. Power. Big. Hot. (laughs) (laughs) Nine. Sloth, peace, flow. Okay. Now, when you add all those numbers together, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 27. Um, (laughs) um, Okay. And when I first got kind of like peeling just the first layer of looking at what Enneagram was all about, they had these catch words that were kind of like, you know, this is what seven is. Mm-hmm. Could you go over the most common uh, word, or if there's a, a word that maybe it, that's equally common, you could mention both words. 
So go back. Yeah. From, so from, from so each one. type's been giving like a name. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that can be helpful. Um, so one is known as as the uh, the reformer. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're perfectionists, but that's not really accurate. They're more mm-hmm. looking to reform, and make mm-hmm. things good. So the reformer two is known as the uh, the helper or the befriender. Uh, three is the achiever. Four is the individualist. Uh, five is the observer or the investigator. Six is the loyal skeptic. Um, the other name skipping me right now. Um, seven is the enthusiast. Eight is the challenger. And nine is the peacemaker. Hmm. Okay. I think when, when combined with your initial description and, and, and the, the three words and the, and the title, it, it starts to kind of gel a bit. Um, are, are there special relationships between the numbers? Like, is that something that's important when you start to dive into it more? Like, I'm not saying you have to explain them all, but I'm just right. <laughs> asking like as an overview. So yeah, the, the star shape is uh, significant in the lines that go across and, and through the middle and uh-huh. uh, to define a relationship between the numbers uh, in a way that um, it Id- identifies what, um, in some way, what our missing pieces are, um, what it is that we need in order to grow, um, or what it is that... Uh, once we let go of this ego thing that I'm grasping onto, um, what else is there for me to identify with and um, be empowered by? Um, so that, that goes in two directions. Um, it also shows what I might look like in times where, um, where I'm under stress, mm-hmm. where um, me doing my thing, my type thing, isn't working anymore. And so out of panic, because this isn't working, I'm going to reach out to this other one and do something else. Um, or maybe in times of security when I feel comfortable, where I'm not really worried about um, what the consequences are of doing something outside of my personality pattern, I can try on something else. Mm. And uh, what that might look like in, in certain contexts, only when it's safe where no one else can see me. Um, and then it doesn't usually come out you know, very pretty. But... Mm. <laughs> Uh, so, so it identifies those kinds of behaviors that, uh, again, then, then helps you to, um, to be aware of when those things are happening. So if I know that I'm going to my stress point, then I know, oh, that's because I keep trying to do my type thing and that's not working for me. And, and so now I have this narrative around it so I can, I can know what to do with that rather than just being in panic mode and doing my thing. Mm. So there's that. And then there's also kind of a gradual progression around. Um, so there's the star shape, but it's within a circle. And so um, if the circle is like a continuum, so um, like a one may not be like a pure one right in the middle that may take on some of the flavor of nine, which is right next to it, or two, which is right next to it. Um, Sometimes a little of both, sometimes uh, different energies in different contexts. Um, Sometimes we just live like in in our imbalance so much that that we identify as a person that, uh, that maybe I'm a one with a two wing. Um, and, And so we identify that as our personality type. And this is, as I'm, I'm picturing it um, from memory, because it starts at one point and then kind of moves to the other. Like, is, is that correct? Like, it's identified that way. So you end up with, um, let's say, a number that has, um, it's not sequential in the sense that you're looking left to right sequentially, but it's sequential because it's drawing out the, right? Right. So when you say wings, you're saying like, like on the position where you're looking at the image, um, that other number will be. It'll be right next to it on the circle. Gotcha. 
so there's there's a circle, and then inside the circle is two different um, shapes. There's a, a equilateral triangle that connects point three, six, and nine, and then the other six points are connected by a, a hexad, a six-pointed star kind of thingy. And I'm guessing that three, six, nine has a special relationship, as does the other, right? Because yes. it's is is that elemental, or is that how how is that um, relationship described? Uh, well, there's a lot of ways that those relationships connect, and um, I don't want to get deep into it, but um, there's okay. So, like one example is. Um, you know, like in music, there's the there's the octave, mm. right? Um, mm. So you go eight notes, and then you hit basically the same note, just a higher octave up, right? And so there's steps along that octave, and most of those steps have, um, like mathematically, the, the same, uh, what's it called, um, interval mm. in between each step, right? But there's a couple in there that are a different interval, and those actually measure up with the three, six, and nine on the Enneagram. As, um, they're called shock points, but they're uh, they're points where it takes like a little bit extra energy to move through the evolution of that. Um, there's something really special that happens with three, six, and nine because they're um, they're on that triangle, so they're like disconnected from the flow of, of evolution or from um, transformation of the hexad in a different way. Mm -hmm. Wow, it gets deep. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, I can understand why you it would be hard to answer that question. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Um, is there anything that, that you feel like, gosh, you know, if I could get this message out to the people who were my people that would be interested and I haven't discovered them yet, what do you want them to hear about this? Uh, the, the thing that, that I care to make known is, um, it, it's being treated a lot like, um, like which Harry Potter house are you kind of thing. Oh, okay. Um, mm -hmm. so people talk about it like it's some kind of gimmick and, um, I mean, there, there may, there's fun in it and stuff, but, um, again, when you can recognize that, that this is identifying your unconscious patterns, this is identifying the thing that you're running from that you don't even know you're running from. This is identifying your path to, to letting go, getting unstuck and, and really being the person that you need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's a beautiful thing. And when it's just treated like a cartoon kind of thing, that's, that's sad. It's like <laughs> diminishing its uh, mm. yeah. real value, I guess, or the potential value, right? Right. Yeah. So whether it's with me or, or you get a book or you watch some YouTube video or something, there's lots of great teachers out there um, really learning about this and how it applies to mm. you. Um, it's, it's our path to freedom. Uh, there's a story you mind if I share a story? Uh, we love stories. Yeah. You like stories? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, okay, so here's the story. So, in the beginning was Brahma, and he was alone, and he was bored. So, he created a friend. He created Maya, a beautiful goddess, who is in charge of games and play. And he created her and said, okay, now, this is what you're built for. This is what you're made for, so I want you to design a game for us. And so she said, fine. So she created, the, or she, she told him to create the earth. And so he did. He made the earth. And then she told him to create the animals. And he created the animals. He's like, cool. Can we start the game now? And she's like, wait, wait. Now create a creature on this earth that's like the animals, but is able to appreciate this beautiful creation. And so he created people. And he's like, all right, cool. Can we start the game now? She said, nope, not yet. First, I'm going to break you into a billion pieces. I'm going to put a piece of you in every one of these creatures that you created. 
And the game will be you finding all the different pieces of yourself and putting yourself back together. <laughs> so she did, and the game began. Mm. And that is us, and that is in us, that our job is to find the essence, to find the, um, uh, whatever you want to call it, find God in us, or, or whatever it is, to find that in us, to put ourselves back together as this whole organization that, that we were built to be in the first place. Nice. That's great. I love it. But you're just saying all this because you're a nine. I just like telling stories. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's, no, that's, that's really awesome. Cool. I love yeah. it. I love it. That's what a great. sweet way of looking at it, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like that story. And especially when I'm mad at somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can I can talk like this, but I still, you know, I go to Costco where someone likes to stand in the middle of their aisle with their giant cart and not move. <laughs> what and number is that person? I, they, I, uh, they're know. not. They're outside of the numbers. They're just <laughs> created by the devil to torture everyone else. I don't know. Yeah. And I really yeah. wish the worst for them. And um, <laughs> I have to remember myself that, you know, they've got a piece of it inside of them. And, mm -hmm. and uh, our job is to find each other. And they're bringing up something in me that I need to... Mm -hmm. recognize so I can be aware of and let go. That's it's about awakening. It's not, it's not about yeah. being the best type that you can be. Yeah. It's not identifying that this type is strong in this area, so I'm going to be more of that. Threes are really good at achieving, so I'm just going to be really motivated mm -hmm. and kill it. Yeah. It's, it's not about that. It's about letting go of that. It's about waking up, recognizing that you're so much more than just your type. Mm -hmm. So I like what uh, Richard Rohr, Richard Rohr um, teaches about the Enneagram a lot, and he says that your personality is what shows up when you don't. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that too. Yeah, I'm I'm really digging this because out of all the systems and things like that that exist out there, this is the only one that um, uh, does the opposite of all those, which is to have you not go deeper in the system but get out of it. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I love keys it. to the it. matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Exit. That's right. That's right. Exit program. That's right. I love it. I yeah. love it. That's actually perfect because he. Um, when Neil goes back into the matrix mm -hmm. after he's woken up, right? He, um, he's still looking at everything and he knows like on a conscious level that it's, it's just a simulation, but he's looking at it like this feels really real. That place has really good noodles, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's what it's like. We can get this knowledge, but we still, it's not in our bones yet. We don't, um, it, it still looks really real to us. Mm -hmm. And it's only at the end of the movie when we can see all the code working in it and be like, Oh no, I can fly. I, I didn't realize that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow, so cool. So what, what was the thoughts behind uh, your business name, Forge Development? What was prompting that? Uh, well, I mentioned to you before we started recording that um, I can spend years trying to think of a good name for something. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is something I asked someone else to help me find a name for, and, and uh, he gave me several. And with Forge, I, I like names that have a lot of different meanings. So... Um, so I like the idea of forging your path, forging your destiny. Uh, I like the idea of forging yourself or, um, or ourselves being in, in the forge, which can be a, an uncomfortable place to be, but uh, good things are coming from it. Mm. And, uh, and We Forge On is the name of uh, another website that I have. And I just, there's, there's a lot you can do with that name, and I like all the meanings of it. So Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this was a great conversation. Sash, Definitely. Do you, do you have anything else that you you um, burning to know at this moment? You know, I'm really, really happy we had this conversation. Um, I can't believe these are things I had not heard of, Me or, too. or didn't really, you know, um, you know, I, 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 I had 
heard the the term Enneagram, you know, a couple times in my life, but you know, um, it's, it's something that, um, I don't know, it really resonates with me a lot. I, I'm really fascinated by it and I, I'm, I'm, I feel kind of hooked a little bit. Right, so, cool. um, uh, but we didn't make you blush. No, you didn't make me blush, <laughs> you know, um, but I haven't taken any of your classes, so All right. I'm sure it'll, it'll happen at some point. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, um, maybe we could just kind of sum up, um, the things that you offer people. Um, you know, we've talked about these topics tonight. What are all the things that you do? What are all the things that you offer? Um, uh, let, let, let the people know. Okay. Well, um, like I said, I, I do individual co- coaching, uh, couples coaching. I do uh, trainings, live trainings, pre-recorded trainings on demand. Um, and you can find all of that on, on forgeenneagram.com. Um, just, uh, I think the best way is to start just learning from me. And, uh, and if you want to have like a free conversation and talk about what else we can do, how that might apply to you individually, then, then great. But, um, start off with just the learning cause it's available. It's on demand. It's right there. It's easy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so coming up, so I've got the, the coaching with the Enneagram, uh, course certification course that's coming up next year. And, uh, when I also have a, when is that? It starts in March. In March, March of 20. It'll be a six month program. It starts in March. Okay, it'll great. be easy. It's not going to be like six months, you know, seven days a week, but like it'll once, be six once a week, kind of thing. Once a week, yeah. Mm. Cool. And what, what kind of a time commitment is is that? So we, is it like a? It'll be a, a it'll be a two hour session, uh-huh. and then uh, it's for people who are working. So if you're if you're coaching, if you're seeing clients, um, if you're a therapist, um, then the homework will be do what you do with your therapist. Just use the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So not a whole lot of else uh, as far as time commitment for that. Um, so that's coming up and, and I also have a free workshop that I'm doing next month in January. Um, that is, uh, just a short thing on how the Enneagram can work specifically with coaching. So, um, that's, that's on the website as well. Terrific. And there are, um, a few, uh, short courses that you've created on teachable. Isn't that true? Yes. What are those? So I've got, um, what are those? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Most of my attention's been on the Enneagram one, uh, which is on there. Um, I also have one on, um, uh, I, I've used some of the NLP stuff and put mm-hmm. that together. So I have one on uh, influence and language patterns, uh, which was a fun one to do. I have one on uh, setting effective goals and using the NLP process to get that into your unconscious to move you forward. Um I have one on relationships that includes uh, some of the NLP techniques on how to um, relate to each other better, how to communicate better, as well as uh, bringing some of the Enneagram into that so uh, you can understand each other, have some compassion, and and relate to each other, move the relationship forward. So that was a fun one to do as well. Those are the main ones. Um, And then I've also got one on multiple natures, if you care to get more into that. Um, It describes the whole model, and um, uh, yeah, that one's a fun one too. Beautiful. Thank you. All right. I love it. I love it. Wes, well, so we're really glad that you uh, showed up tonight and uh, accepted our invitation. I'm and, really uh, glad too. Thank you. Jumped in with us. This is cool. Yeah, this is really cool. awesome. Love it's it. Really cool. Love it. Good stuff. Pleasure having you. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Special thanks to our guest, Wes Lucas. 
If you'd like to get in touch with Wes, you can find him at his website at weslucus.com. You can also find him on social media, and you can look him up under Forge Personal Development. Uh, You can also contact us here at The Authenticity Show if you need to, anytime. Thanks for listening. My name is Oliver Altine. I produce the show. I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. Please remember to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find our website at AuthenticityShow.com. Thanks for listening. Have an authentic day.